You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 147 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary. And today we are talking all about women in leadership, which is a topic that is very, very close to my heart. Mine too. I love it. Is anyone surprised? Yeah, right? I know. (laughs) It's shocking that both Mary and I love talking about women in leadership. We have a really cool guest today. We do. I'm so excited. I won't lie. Like I was so excited to talk with her. Our guest is, her name is Jahan Blake and she worked in the sports industry for like a really long time. She has super cool stories. I'm sure she has super cool and probably intense stories too. No. Also true. Yeah. I definitely resonated in talking with her a lot about being the only woman in the room. (laughs) Right. Um, In a very sort of male dominated field. Because I remember yep. many, many a time being the only woman sitting in a room full of uh, male lawyers. Yes. Put me on the manufacturing floor and I feel the same way. Oh, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being a female engineer is like, was. Yeah. Right. That's why I was in Society of Women Engineers in college. I was too. Yay, sweet. Look, I, we, we were connected before we ever met. I don't think I ever thought about that. I, I don't. It's so funny because... I mean, I knew you when you were, you know, working in corporate and I don't think I ever, I always forget that at one time you were an engineer. Like a past life, right? Yeah. It seems weird. feels that way. Mm -hmm. I was actually joking with somebody. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was talking about like college and where I went to college. And I was like, yeah, I got, I got like a full ride to a couple of different colleges solely because I was a woman who wanted to be an engineer. Oh, totally. Yeah. My grades didn't matter. I mean, this was like the early 90s. So they were like, right. woman <laughs> right. who likes right. math and science, please. Right. Yes. <laughs> I remember one school called me for, yeah, like one of those like phone interviews. Do you have any questions kind of thing? And yeah, we were talking about the same thing. I'm like, oh, well, I was looking at the engineering school. Oh, okay. Like, like right away. Like, yes, that's great. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I basically like sent a, I don't remember what happened, but I got invited to come up to Stevens hilariously, which is in Hoboken 
many, many, many years ago, we went up there and they were just like, it was like a red carpet had rolled out. (laughs) I remember turning my parents and being like, no, I'm not coming here. (laughs) And now you're a business owner and a mom and that doesn't happen anymore. No, No, it really doesn't. It's, I, I think that that shit. I mean, certainly I think there's loads of organizations trying to get girls and women into STEM, but you know, STEM was not something that existed when we were right. young. Right. <laughs> They're like, you're good at math. <laughs> well, <Welcome. Yeah>, right. <laughs> it was just very different. Um, it excites me how much has changed. It even excites me how much when I, you know, uh, as someone who was a young lawyer 15 years ago, and now someone who either mentors young lawyers or I was a professor for quite some time at Seton Hall Law School, just seeing the makeup of this, the students is completely different. Yes, I agree. We're going in the right direction. I think so. Yeah, I think the issue is, though, keeping women in leadership yeah, roles. Yes. I. Yeah. For that, we are not currently going the right direction, I don't think. It's a struggle. I think 2020 has magnified it. Yes. Yes, for sure. It's just too much. Like for households, it's too much. It's and a lot a, of that, that's a big topic. So I right, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's... in our eight-minute intro, <laughs> fixing the gap in women in leadership roles <laughs> in this country. Go. Well, I think it's interesting because Jahan is she's a career coach and she works with a lot, like a lot of women in the sports and entertainment industry. But I felt like her experience uh, can help business owners equally as well as coaching women who are, you know, trying to either be elevated within their organization, just in talking about advocating for yourself and how to better approach those hard conversations that I think sometimes don't flummox our male counterparts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They, they definitely don't. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think that will always be like the, the mentorship and the coaching. I mean, we have a long way to go, so I think that will be critical you know, for many years to come for women, just because, I mean, just, just the mental load of things that women go through or deal with or think about, they just need, yeah, support from other people that have already experienced it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important in terms of mentorship to not only have female mentors, but male mentors. Agree. Definitely agree. Because some of the male mentors along the way were really instrumental in helping me develop and grow in a really amazing way that not always the women were able to do. Yeah, same. And the the perspective is just so different. Yeah. I had the same thing. Yeah. But when you find a really good female mentor, there's nothing better. I really, really struggled to find one. Yeah. I found one late, like later in my corporate career, which overall is maybe a little unfortunate because I didn't have as much time with her at the end. But yeah, it is amazing when you find someone that's a good fit. I I never found one. All the mentors that I look back on were men when I reflect on that. And oh, I really, really? Yeah. I really, the, the female leaders that I came across did not, um, I didn't resonate with them as well. Yeah. I, I have to, some for me too, same. But there was one towards the end of my corporate career that really was fantastic. And she actually eventually helped me with my decision to leave a little bit too. Very supportive. So yeah, she was great. Mentorship is, I mean, this is funny how this intro to this conversation took this turn. But when I think about it, like 
mentor in my life who 100% changed the course of my life completely, mm-hmm. my business life. And I can so clearly remember what he did and, and what he said and how he spoke to me and just how impactful and important he is still to me, even though, you know, it was 20 years ago. Yep. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's why I love mentoring. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that'll be a 2021 goal. Get back to mentoring. Oh, that would be great. There we go. I just had a goal, everyone. Write it down. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I we Good thing we have this recorded. <laughs> remember it later. Exactly. Hold me accountable. That's a good one. That one I can subscribe to for sure. So let me tell everyone about Jahan so you guys can listen to her very awesome story. And she has some incredible advice I'm excited to share. Jahan Blake, sports executive turned career coach, helps high-achieving women in the sports and entertainment industry who feel stuck, frustrated, and defeated find their voice and tackle whatever is keeping them from getting exactly what they want out of their career. During Jahan's 18 years of working in sports, including working at three major league teams, her favorite part of the job was helping others see their full potential, so she made a business of it. Whether her clients want to break into sports, take their performance to the next level, or own a place at the executive table, Jahan provides customized coaching programs to accelerate their career. Jahan is also the host of the Game of Her Own podcast, which highlights the inspiring journey of influential women working in the sports and entertainment industry. These candid interviews offer unique advice and strategies to help empower women in the industry. And now on to the interview. I am very excited to announce the launch of the Unbusiness School, Hashtag Legal's new course offerings. In our first round of classes, we've created a series of mini classes on the following topics, business formation, contracts, trademark, copyright, and terms and conditions and privacy. Whether you are a designer, developer, creator, or you own your own brick and mortar business, we will be breaking down the topics you need to know that can confuse many business owners. We've capped all videos at 20 minutes to make sure we get the most important subjects without all of the unnecessary legal jargon. You can choose the mini class you want, or you can buy a bundle and make a masterclass. We are here to provide you confidence to make decisions about your business. You no longer have to fear the legal side of your business because you'll be empowered to make decisions and will know when you need to ask for help. For more information, go to school.hashtag-legal.com backslash the unbusiness school. I am so excited today. I am here with my guest, Jahan Blake. Jahan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. So we were introduced by my very good friend, Amanda Berlin. And when Amanda says to me, there's somebody you need to meet, I immediately say yes. So I am so excited to for us to have this opportunity to chat. Please tell everyone who you are, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Jahan Blake, and I am CEO and founder of the J. Blake Group, uh, where I work with women who work in the sports and entertainment industry, and I help them find their voice and tackle what is ever keeping them from getting exactly what they want out of their careers. That is awesome. So how did you tell us how you got here? How did you start this business? Yes, so I have been in sports. uh, Every time I say it, I'm like, what? I can't like, I cannot believe this, but I've been in sports for 18 years. Uh, I started my career with the Boston Red Sox. I uh, went out to work for the Dodgers after that, and then came here to where I am now to work for the Chicago Cubs. 
my job was all under the umbrella of the fan experience, as we call it, um, outside the industry, people know it as, you know, the, the customer experience, the customer journey, and it's how do you take all of these frontline employees, right? So when you go to a game, you see those ushers and ticket takers, right? And then your food and beverage. So how do you take these, this massive frontline staff, as we call it, and align them to the brand promise that the marketing department is designing? Right? They're promising you this is how we're going to treat you. I have to work with everybody to make sure operationally that's actually what we're doing. That is so interesting. I can definitely see why you'd be an expert in finding your voice because you were creating voices. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. That is so cool. So what made you end up starting your own business? It's something that was always, and I think it's because my dad had his own business. So he was an electrician. God, the more I think about it, the older I get, I think how phenomenal it is that he came from Jersey City, which is a predominantly black you know, area, and moved to the suburbs in New Jersey to an all-white area. And here he is. He just started his own business. You know, we're talking in the 80s, right? And so started his own business and, and did really well. And so I think I caught that bug from him. He always, and I think he's always planting seeds as well. So I've always wanted to start my own business. Um, but I also liked the idea of going in and working for somebody first. I wanted both. And so I finally realized, you know, what I love about my job is going in and fixing problems. Uh, what I don't like to do is maintain. So that's why I worked for, right? Like I got in, we did it. So now what, right? Is, can we create another problem? <laughs> That's why I moved from the Red Sox to the Dodgers and same, you know, to the Cubs. And then I met my husband here in Chicago. And that's when I realized, okay, I think I'm a little tired of moving. What if I started my own consulting agency and just moved from team to team, traveled to see them? And I took, I took that leap of faith and I, I got to do exactly what I wanted to do, which was incredible. And so what I realized as I was doing it, I'm sitting in these boardrooms and I'm having these meetings. And I missed having people come into my office and ask me for help um, with their career. And I didn't realize that how much that happened until it wasn't happening anymore. And so that's when I decided I'm going to keep doing consulting. It's here, but I know I, it was like a, like aha moment. I was like, my real passion is this. And it's, it's coaching women and, and helping them level up their careers and get exactly what they want out of it and find their voice and just, you know, be just so satisfied, right. With it, with whatever they're going after. And so I started taking on coaching clients and I, I did it as a test as, at first. And I said, okay, I'm going to interview some people and see what happens. And four out of the six people I interviewed said, okay, great. Can you send me some rates? Like after, you know, I interviewed them and I was just asking about their experiences. It was not a sell after I gave them advice for free as an exchange for the interview. And then I was like, sure, I have rates. I get off the call and go make up rates. And I went four for four. So I was like, well, I didn't know if this was going to work, but it sounds like it is. And um, after that, my coaching business was born. I adore so many parts of that story. <laughs> and I resonate with many parts. You're, the role model of your dad is so cool. I love that you had that model for you. Um, and so that you were able to sort of look to him as well, because it's the entrepreneur journey is can be lonely. So to have someone so close to you, that can be such a role model and somebody who can just encourage you, even if you're in completely different industries, I think makes all the difference in the world. So that's super cool. 
I feel the same as you. Like the reason I started my firm was because I too was like you, where I was like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And so I, you know, you create something and being able to work and help different clients with completely different businesses, doing completely different things at hashtag legal is what keeps me going. And I love it so much. So that's very, very cool. And the way you tested it, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) That's how, you know, when someone says to you, like, I need to hire you, you need to listen. (laughs) Exactly. A (laughs) hundred percent. So what does your work with a client look like? Um, what is, what is the client typically coming to you? Be, what is their pain point? I guess I'll ask. I would say there's about six different pain points. And right now it's one of the biggest ones is advocating for yourself. Then the other one is really just diversity and inclusion. And that can mean a lot of things, but it's just navigating what your office looks like. And is it male dominated? Are there people that look like you? How do you just, how do you go in and and feel comfortable? That, that also is a big one. So it's really just coaching them and meeting them where they are and, you know, just walking alongside them and, and helping them understand one, seeing what a badass they are. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse Jamie on your, on your podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but just helping them see who they are uh, and then just giving them strategies to take that next step to, to move forward and then just walking with them and helping them continue to take steps. I love that. So I'm assuming everybody's different, right? So anybody who's listening, you, you have to certainly do a lot of internal work. Um, but I'd love to hear some strategies that you give to clients, sort of generally speaking, for those that are looking to advocate for themselves. Um, and I think this can apply both internally if you're someone who works in a, an organization and also as an entrepreneur, perhaps you have clients um, or you struggle maybe a little bit to set boundaries or to advocate or even setting pricing. Um, so what are some good strategies for someone who's struggling to find their voice um, and advocate for themselves? Yeah. So I always talk to my clients about being consistent with, so you have to consistently advocate for yourself. So it's not, okay, I want this new job. I'm going to start now. You know, I want this promotion. I'm going to start now. Oh, no, no, no. We got to back up. You should be laying down this foundation for a while and it should be a daily practice. So one of my favorite tips is that my, uh, what I call the top three. So always having your top three in your head, whatever you're working on, tie it back to metrics. If you can tie it back to metrics, then everyone's going to be happy because right there's so much meaning behind it. At the end of the day, these sports organizations, in order to keep running, they have to make money. <laughs> so sometimes we, we lose sight of that. And it is, it is, it's about the money, but it has to be. So you tie it back to metrics and ROI. That's great. But just think about the projects you're working on and how you're doing with them, where you are in the process, what you've done well, and just keep those top three top of mind all week. They should change. They could change weekly, um, but all week. And then think about those moments when you're in, you know, the break room. I guess you're not doing that right now, but you know, virtually, and some people actually are back in the office, but like, you're just, you're in a setting where you have to make small talk with your boss or leadership or, or a colleague that, you know, that you work with, who's a key stakeholder on a project. And they're like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? What are you up to? So you, like, you have an option. You can talk about like, Oh, you know, just, I watched the bachelor last night and I can't believe it, whatever. And I'm an introvert. So like small talk is a struggle for me. So I, and I've had to work on it and I realize the best conversations have come when I talk about the top three. So I don't talk about all three, but I just kind of will rattle them off. It's like, oh, 
you know, the new program that we just launched, it's, you know, been, I'm just so excited today because it's going really well. It's been well received and our numbers are X, Y, and Z, right? And then that starts a dialogue about the work that you're doing. So now a lot of women are afraid that they're bragging. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and in that setting, you don't feel like you're bragging. Someone asks you what you're up to and you're in a work setting and you talked about work. Like it just, it's easy. And so you just always have those top three. And I remember doing this, I was in the kitchen with the president of a team and, you know, he asked what I was up to. And I know that he was being polite. And I know the only way I was going to keep him engaged is if, if I talked about one of those things <laughs> and, it, and it worked, you know, and then it, you get insight too from that person as well. So that's one of my biggest tips. That is an excellent piece of advice. And I like that you touched on how often, particularly women, and, you know, I can't say all, but many women come back and say, oh, but that's just, you know, like you said, I'll sound like I'm bragging. And I, I sometimes respond, or I often respond like your male counterparts are not worried about sounding like they're bragging. No, they're really, they're really not. And they're, they're asking for things that they're not even qualified. And here's the thing, because they are asking and doing it with such confidence that they get it. Over and over. And they get it and they and they're and they're learning in the process and they are comfortable with that and okay with that. And I, I think that I, you know, I, I love to talk to my clients about that's okay. You're not gonna be perfect when you when you get into a new role. You're not. Like as a business owner, I was not, yeah. I'm still not, I'm, you're never gonna be perfect, right? You're always learning and growing and and that's you're never gonna be ready per se, right? Like you're just yeah. always gonna be in it. And, and what's the fun if there isn't a stretch to it? That's yes. the other part, right? Like when we move into these roles or when someone comes to us at hashtag legal, they're like, can you work on this project? I mean, I, we started working in the influencer marketing space before that even existed. And a blogger, much like you, heard me talk about legal issues for bloggers and was like, hey, can you help me with this you know, blogging issue? And I'm like, yeah, I can. We'll figure it out. And we did. (laughs) And that's what you have to do. Um, And Uh, so, yeah, I totally agree. I think there is so much hesitation uh, that it's amazing you're able to, I like how you put the metrics on it. I think that that's so helpful. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake that I made early, early on in my career was because I'm in the the people business and making people Mm. feel good. And I don't, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out how to put numbers to that. And and I make the mistake and assume that every, you know, leader within the organization understands it. And That's it, really interesting. And so, that, and, yeah. so taking your top three, um, it sounds like not only should you sort of know what those top three things you're working on, but assigning some kind of metric to them that will be easily translatable to the people above you for that sort of coffee pot conversation. Yes. Yeah. It's so right. It's just so easy to have those because they exist. You yeah. just have to spend some time and be intentional and in figuring out what they are. And then sure. you can always tie it back to your like organizational goals, right? And like, just figure out a way to just phrase it just right, you know, and, and, and catch the interest of somebody It's like, oh, she understands what we're working towards. It just, it builds that foundation and ha- helps people see you in a different, in a different way. Do you find that clients say to you, the more they do it, the easier it becomes? Yes. And I say that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, I'm like, I promise them. I'm like, it is when you first do something, it's just, it's weird. It's awkward. And you're, you have to like be nice to yourself 
and be patient and keep working at it. It's just, it's just kind of like this podcast. I started it. And when I first started, I was like, what in the world am I doing? Like I have this idea, but like, I've never done a podcast before. And now, you know, today I sat down um, and I did one, I interviewed somebody and I prepped five minutes before. Before that, I was like prepping an hour before, two hours, like the day before I had to let it marinate. It was this whole dramatic process. Now I'm like, oh my God, I can do this in my sleep. But like, it took a while to get there. Yeah. And you have to just be comfortable in the discomfort and know that failure is a part of every journey and learning from that failure is just a big part of life. Like, I like how, when you talked about your story as well, to kind of circle that back, like you experienced a lot of things, I assume in your career, working for other people, doing other things that brought you to where you are today to enable you to do what you need to do. So sometimes the most uncomfortable situations are the ones that bring us to where we sit today. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like just, (laughs) I think of sometimes in those rooms where I'm like, I've sat and I'm like sweaty, but I I did it. I showed up and I did hard things and (laughs) I, I, I was fine. Like nothing happened to me and not to be morbid, but it's like, what? I'm, I'm not going to die. Right. Like, just, just go do it because it, it's important to you. And I always tell people the regret is so much worse than the uncomfortable feeling. Like yeah. just the regret stays with you for so long. The uncomfortable feeling tends to go away once you're done. You're like, I did yeah. it. And then all of a sudden it's this joy <laughs> that you actually, you, you did the thing. It's so true. Um, and so in talking about finding your voice, and I love that piece of advice you gave, how about in articulating value? And this can come up in a lot of ways. And I know we sort of briefly touched on metrics, but it often comes up in salary negotiations or articulating your value to get that promotion. Or frankly, if it's an entrepreneur who's working with a client, you know, to explain why your rates are what your rates are without a question mark at the end. How do you coach clients around that? So there's two sides to it. It's it's the foundation that I talked about. So when it comes to articulating your value, so you have your top three that you're always talking about. You have your one-on-one weekly meetings with your boss. It's always like, it's not just a checklist of I did this, I did this, we're on track, we're good to go. No, no, no. Like you want to talk about what you've done and what you've done well. It can be in one simple sentence, but you have to show that you worked on something and that you did it well. Here's what I worked on. I worked on this program. Um, I was able to achieve, boom, boom, boom. And then you can move on to the next thing, right? And so you're kind of setting that foundation. So every week your boss is hearing from you all the, the great things that you're doing. You can't assume that he knows. Like it just, even if things are going well and he hasn't heard anything and he thinks no news is good news, it, it, you have to, you have to give, you shouldn't say him, you have to give them language, right? You know, and, and let them know because they need that because when they go to their boss, they repeat those same things. Right? And so then, and so then the other side of it, so you always have the foundation and the, the other side is when you're articulating your value. So if you're going in to pitch for a promotion or a raise, what's important is you have a lot of things swirling in your head. So you have to get them on, um, you got to get them out of your head and onto paper Mm. and just start to organize them, right? So if you believe you deserve a promotion or raise, great. So you've already set that foundation. You know that your boss, he's not going to be surprised. She's not going to be surprised that you were, you're asking for this or the, you know, the success that you've had. So when you go in though, you want to make sure that you understand like, okay, I know what I was asked to do when I first got here. Um, I know what new work, which <laughs> happens all the time with my clients. I know what new work I've been asked to do, 
but have not been compensated for it. And then I know what additional stuff I want to add on under my umbrella, under responsibilities that I want. So having it organized in such a way that you can talk to it like that. And then if you want, I had one client, we had so much fun. She made it color coded and she actually talked through it. And it was so easy for her boss to consume. He understood it. Like he was like, I didn't. And then I heard a lot of, I didn't even realize that you were still doing these things, right? Like there were just tasks that she actually wanted to let go of. It's like, I didn't really, you know, so it's just making it so simple for them to understand. But before you can do that, you have to understand exactly what you want. Oh my God. Preparation is everything. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference. I talk a lot about negotiation um, and we cover that on the podcast pretty frequently. And the biggest piece of any negotiation is the research. It's most of it. Yes. And yeah. so if you don't prepare, if you don't do research, I love the idea of talking it out with someone in advance, um, particularly if it's a topic or a conversation that feels uncomfortable, because the more you say it, the easier it's going to get. So that's awesome that you offer that safe space to make those mistakes (laughs) for your clients. Yes. And it's so, and like, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up into it as well. And, you know, I had one client who just um, started crying. Mm -hmm. We were talking about, it it had a lot to do with asking. And and this is another one is you have to ask for exactly what you want. Yeah. Don't make up a story as to how they're going to react, what they're going to say. You just have to put it out there. You may, you may or may not get it. In her case, she got it, but it had to do with um, some boundaries. Mm. And um, that was important to her, to her and saying, I, from these hours, I have to be with my family mm, and no longer feel calls. But like when we talked through it and how she was going to present it, you know, it was emotional. It was really emotional for her. You know, she, she was tearing up and I was like, this is good. Get it out now. Let it all out. <laughs> get it out now. And then you go in and feel really clear once you get there, but you have to ask for it. That, that piggybacks onto my next topic, which is one that I'm really interested to hear your perspective on. And that's navigating a male oriented industry, one that's completely or mostly dominated by men um, as a woman uh, trying to walk through that. Um, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about how you successfully navigated those completely male dominated industries and how you work with clients in doing the same. Yeah. So a lot of it is, I mean, it's no, in the sports and entertainment industry, it's, I mean, it's no secret, right? Like it's, this is not made up, like it's there. It isn't male dominated. And, you know, starting in the industry almost 20 years ago is, is it, I, not to date myself, but it was different back then. Right? Yeah. It was even, it was even um, more men working in, in less women, especially women who looked like me there. Uh, so for me, in my experience, I am very, I'm very competitive. I'm very ambitious. I'm also an introvert, which is a really interesting combination. Uh, So I, you know, my boss, my first boss in sports is, you know, a woman. I like, I latched on (laughs) whether she wanted me or to, or not like that. So I was just always watching and observing when she's sitting at the table and it's all men and she's voicing her opinion. And here I am at this time when I first started, I was part-time in in baseball. So I'm like watching her and like just learning and observing and how she's doing it. And my biggest thing that I learned from, you know, her was you have to use your voice. You have to speak up and you have to take a stand. Half the men in the room don't agree with you. All the men in the room don't agree with you. You have to take a stand. 
And you know, what's funny about this is that that translates, even if it was a whole room full of women, women, but when it comes to the men, you can't let them that intimidate you. You have to, no matter what you use, if this is what you believe is a good idea. And back to your point, you got to do the research. If you believe you've done your homework and you know, this is the way we should go, then you have to just put your stake in the ground and go. And so it was, for me, it helped me to see that. It was helpful to have a female role model, but there wasn't a lot of her, right? And so she's managing 25 people. <laughs> and so I didn't get to be in every single room, um, but it was difficult. So what I like to tell people now is it's important to one, when it comes to your mindset, like think about, let's just not say it's a male dominated industry and let that intimidate you and like drive how you operate, right? Like you have to like, don't let it intimidate you. Don't use it as an excuse for not being successful. What I like to say is just dive, just dive right in. And then if there's things that are uncomfortable in a sense that like I'm intimidated by this, you know, this gentleman or this team, think about why, get curious. What is the story that you're telling yourself? Is this true? If it's not, you're not sure, ask, right? So if you have a male boss and you just feel like something's not right about how you're being perceived and maybe they only talk to you for the female perspective. Right. Like what, whatever the case may be, I actually had a, a college student tell me that that was happening to her, but like, you know, whatever the case may be, make sure you ask and say, you know what? And I, I'm stealing this from Brene Brown and I've used it every single, I use it all the time ever since she said it to like, not to me, but I felt like she was talking to me, <laughs> but ever since she said it, I, it's just, you know, the story I'm telling myself is this, like, yeah. is that, am I right? Yes. And just, so now you're not going in and you're not blaming, you're not, you know, you're not telling them like they're wrong. Like it's just a discussion. You have to be able to be comfortable and going back to getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and go in and have those conversations. So some of those are mindset. And I, one of my biggest things is not letting people use that as an excuse working in a male dominated industry, because you, if I can do it, you can do it. Sort of thing. Like it's, you can do it. It's just, you have to know how to navigate. And then, you know, I I had a male um, mentor and, you know, I so grateful for him. And I I recommend to everybody, make sure you have a diverse group of people that you go to, right? You don't have to officially, I never asked, you know, Charles is his name. I never asked him to be my mentor. It just kind of happened. And I called him until he stopped answering. And that was for a long time. And when he stopped answering as frequently, I should say, it was because I understood he wasn't about to like do something different and big. And like, he just didn't have as much time, but just, you just keep on going. It doesn't need to be any formality, but I made sure to have his, you know, opinion and his perspective. You, you need it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't want to just have just women in your like, personal board of advisors, if you will. You want to make sure you're, it, it's diverse as well um, and represents everybody that you're kind of working with. That is incredible advice. Um, I Navigating law firm life sounds somewhat similar <laughs> to navigating the sports world. And I worked in a very traditional legal profession for a very long time with no women to look up to or to have as mentors. Um, and I was also very lucky that there was a male partner who really just went above and beyond in helping me until like you said, he didn't. <laughs> and that was okay. Yeah, it was right. Anything happened. I didn't ask either. I just, uh, just popped up in his office or 
send them emails. Um, but it makes a huge difference. Uh, but having a, a female as well would have been great, <laughs> but you know, you have to work with what you have, but that is why, like what you said, I mean, representation is so incredibly important. Um, and that's why I make it a point to as many female, young female lawyers as I can. I try to mentor and put myself out there because like you, when I started 20 years ago or 18 years ago, it, there were very few women and there were really no women of color either. And that was just, and so watching my friends who were black women trying to navigate law firm life was really way harder for them. Those women who have now become these unbelievable leaders and watching them give back has been so inspiring to me as well um, to just give back to as many women as I possibly can to just help them navigate those really difficult work environments. But I like your advice of not using it as an excuse because you just yeah. got to do it. <laughs> you, do, you have to get in and you have to make, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are in your career, you, you can make change at yep. any level. So go in and make change. And then uh, as everyone says, turn back and pull the next woman forward and like yes. just keep going. But when you look at it from when you're just starting um, or you're just starting in the industry, it, it can be intimidating, but it doesn't, that, and that's okay, but it can't, you can't let it stop you. Right. Yeah. It's that fear of like, yeah, we're just going to figure it out. <laughs> yes, that's what but I did my whole career. <laughs> I love it. Me too. <laughs> I feel that talking it out makes a huge difference. And sometimes too, like your um, analogy with the story, it takes the wind out of the sails because everything that's going on sort of in that inner dialogue in your brain, when you start to say it out loud, <laughs> you're like, uh, that sounds crazy. I mean, I know I've said that to myself where all the thoughts swirling in my head. And then I say it to a friend and they're kind of looking at me and I'm like, yeah, that sounded as crazy as I thought. <laughs> and then that story goes away. So it, you have to articulate those stories to those safe people that are in your life, I think makes a huge difference. Those gut checks are very, very valid. Yes. Your wisdom has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I've loved learning your story and about how you help clients. I've, I'm sure people are going to want to know where they can find you. So can you please let our listeners know? Yeah. So you can find me, um, follow me on Instagram at Jahan Blake. Uh, also my website, jahanblake.com. And then if you want to listen, I host a podcast called Game of Her Own, where I interview influ influential women who work in the sports and entertainment industry. Uh, so you can follow along and that's wherever you get your um, podcast. That's awesome. We'll drop all the links in the show notes as well. Jahan, thank you so much. This has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I am very excited to announce the launch of the UnBusiness School, Hashtag Legal's new course offerings. In our first round of courses, we have created a series of mini classes on the following topics, business formation, contracts, trademark, copyright, and privacy. Whether you are a creator, a developer, or you own a brick and mortar business, we will be breaking down the topics you need to know that can confuse many business owners. We are here to provide you confidence to make decisions about your business. You no longer have to fear the legal side of your business because you will be empowered to make decisions and will know when to ask for help. For more information, go to school.hashtag-legal.com backslash the unbusiness school. She's fantastic. I was a big fan. Yeah. I definitely want to share cool stories, good advice. Yeah. I love to hear perspective, especially that's a such an interesting industry 
I know, right? Um, yeah, to come from that field, definitely. It's very different than, yeah, my experiences, so. Same. Um, and I think a lot of people romanticize those industries. Mm-hmm. Great point. So it's interesting to get the, um, to hear her perspective as well. Definitely. So what do we want to hear from everyone today? I'd love to hear about mentorship. I'm really into oh, mentorship. Yeah. If Great you one. had an amazing mentor, give them a shout out. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. Let's do that too. I love that. I like hearing mentorship stories. It'll help keep me accountable for my goals. Look at that. Can't <laughs> believe it. Mentor. <laughs> Look, you're, you can align them with your impact and your purpose, right? There it is. See? <laughs> Full circle. If you want me to be your mentor, send me an email. I'll consider it. Oh, that's such a nice offer. See? Someone take her up on that. Applications for mentees. (laughs) If you are not a member of our Facebook group, you can find us at Fearless Business Podcast HQ. You can also find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. As always, we love and appreciate reviews. So please leave a review wherever you listen. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.